folks welcome back to the norwood noise podcast myself evan chippo alongside graham griffith as always your typical norwood noise crew it is tuesday january 30th and for all you know for those of you that were like oh what the heck there's you know it was big week in college hoops where's the where's the typical sunday night episode obviously sunday night got pushed um there were some you know football activities uh graham my partner over here was actually traveling that day uh, coming back from hartford uh, where Xavier played their most recent game against UConn. So Sunday wasn't going to work. And then Monday happened to be one of the biggest explosions in Twitter history, uh, you know, at least for our Big East community. We'll get into that a little bit later, uh, but we felt we needed to let that kind of, you know, process and everything kind of come out from that. That way we could, you know, discuss that thoroughly and with all the facts and information. So we decided to wait till Tuesday morning. So good morning to you all. We'll have this up for you middle of the day Tuesday. So you can get all your info from the from last week's recap and then kind of get into this week as we move along. Um, but first of all, Graham, how are we doing? Um, tough week for Xavier last week, but here in Cincinnati, the weather did pick up finally. You know, we got out of the the single digit numbers. Um, how are your you know how's your uh, how's your attitude kind of as we roll in here to February? Yeah, um, overall pretty good. Um, it's unfortunate to you know leave last week. You know, very two big tests um, going on the road to two of the best teams in um, the Big East as of right now. And to walk walk out of both arenas with two gut-wrenching losses, one being the Creighton game where you felt that you were in and, you know, they just seemed to pull away at the last second. And the UConn game, we weren't even in during the national anthem. Um, so that's very tough. But when you look ahead, you have four games coming up that I think that are all very winnable games. And once we get in the Musketeer Minute, we could talk a little bit more about that. But um, this is a very exciting week in college basketball. The fact that, you know, Xavier has a chance to go 2-0 and with um, a home game and then a DePaul game. And then um, looking at this weekend, is going to be one of the best weekends in college basketball that we've seen in a long time, um, just based on the sheer amount of quality games. Couldn't agree more. We've, I mean, we threw this out on the podcast a couple weeks back. I absolutely circled February 3rd on our calendars as one of the best Saturdays college basketball has to offer this season. Cannot wait to get to that. Um, you know, I, I think I saw, I think it was no context that tweeted, just got to get through this week, just got to get through this week, just got, you know, like, I think all of us college basketball sickos just cannot wait for Saturday. Um, so we'll get into all that. We'll preview all that here in just a minute. First of all, starting last week, January 23rd, it was a Tuesday. We had some action. Um, some shocking results, um, including Texas just absolutely wiping out Oklahoma, seventy-five to sixty, and then one of the best court storms of the year, um, South Carolina, seventy-nine, sixty-two, just a dominant win over a Kentucky team that was coming off a really good weekend the weekend before, um, and they just get absolutely wiped in Columbia. Um, this South Carolina team, I really like them right now. Um, 
you know, they're they're definitely one of the more like under the radar SEC teams. Um, I kind of think that South Carolina might actually be like what Ole Miss, like what everybody th- was thinking Ole Miss kind of was going to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're you know sitting at sitting at seventeen and three right now. They got a big test uh, tonight um, at Tennessee, so that's really going to be a a true like test of who they are and what they are and you know what they're going to be able to bring to the table. Tennessee's favored by fourteen and a half in that game. Um, that seems like a lot, but again, Tennessee has proven to be one of the best teams in the country, sitting at number five right now. And South Carolina again, just don't really know what we're going to get. Uh, excuse me. Don't really know what we're going to get from them. Their computer numbers aren't great, um, but overall, they are still playing solid and, and taking care of business where they need to be. Because um, right now they're like they're fiftieth in the net. Like I just don't, I don't love what we've seen so far. Um, but two big wins. They took care of, you know, Kentucky obviously at home and then took care of business against Mizzou over the weekend. Now you got Tennessee and at Georgia uh, this week, kind of a, a one-two punch there, Georgia being a really good team. So keep an eye on the Gamecocks and how they continue after their big week last week. Um, Houston uh, took care of business uh, on the road at BYU. Houston has just proven time and time again they got a great win. Um Last night against Texas uh, on the road, this Houston team is just starting to look really, really good. And, you know, like the clear-cut favorite in the Big 12, which I think is honestly kind of shocking, especially with Kansas being the, you know, preseason number one team. Baylor, you know, new arena, you know, what what are they going to bring to the table? Texas has been worse than expectations, um, have held them. So, really, Houston has, you know, clearly come out as, as a big-time favorite. We'll have to see. I mean, they got to go to Allen Fieldhouse this weekend. So, obviously, that's going to be a big-time test. Can't wait for that one. Um but that was Tuesday. Those were kind of the big matchups from Tuesday. Um, and then Wednesday was another big night. Uh, Alabama, 79-75 over a good Auburn team. Um, Alabama at home getting kind of their first really big win win of the season, um, seeing if you know, NATO's can kind of steady that ship there. Um, and Auburn taking a tough loss, but I still think they're a really, really solid team in the SEC, probably still favored to win um, that league, them, or Tennessee. Um, Kentucky also you know, was in that conversation for a while, but I think they took too many early losses. Um, and then Northwestern, another top 10 win for them inside Welsh Shrine Arena, um, just north of Chicago, 96-91 in overtime. That game was awesome, uh, phenomenal um, atmosphere. Obviously, Terrence Shannon Jr. Um, continuing to play uh, for Illinois, the Northwest Northwestern fans letting him hear it. Um, you know, which was which was interesting to see that atmosphere there. And then obviously Boo Booey for Northwestern. I mean, the guy is so fun to watch. If you have not sat down and watched one Northwestern game this year, highly highly recommend whenever they whenever they're hosting Wisconsin, or if they're hosting Wisconsin, I kinda of forget they don't play round robin, but um you know, if they host Wisconsin or if they host another solid team um in the Big Ten, definitely, you know, circle that on your calendar. Get get a Northwestern game in because watching Boo Booey play, especially in those big moments, is super, super entertaining. Um, Nevada uh, knocking off Colorado State. This is Colorado State starting to get a little sneaky here. Um, they've dropped quite a few in a row um, uh, in the in Mountain West play. Um, they they dropped at Wyoming over the weekend in an overtime battle at Nevada. Um, before that, they had two good wins over uh, Air Force and UNLV, but a loss to Boise State before that. So really, it's seeming that when they're coming up against these more quality Mountain West teams, they're having a little bit more of a difficult time. So just keep an eye on Colorado State. Um, 
you know, as they're kind of trending downwards in the Mountain West. On the other side of the spectrum in the Mountain West, we've got New, New Mexico, which, I mean, Graham, you, you know, you know as well as anybody, I am just absolutely enamored with this New Mexico team. I think they're so entertaining to watch. Um, I think that, I mean, I, I was joking earlier. I don't know who, I, I, it was a tweet from someone. I don't know if it was Rothstein. I think it was Rothstein. Um, I can't remember. The, the name escapes me, but um, one of our kind of more favorite uh, journalists that I follow uh, that follows college hoops threw out there the other day that, like, hey, if, you know, if, uh, if New Mexico could play the NCAA tournament at the pit, um, I think they might win the whole thing. So um, it definitely, you know, an interesting take, but, but one to keep an eye on. And I think that New Mexico has just been super, super entertaining to watch. What, you know, Rich Patino has done down there has been just an absolutely incredible turnaround. He's rejuvenated the program. He's rejuvenated the life in the crowd. Watching games in the pit is so, so entertaining. Um, and so, yeah, so both those teams um, kind of keeping an eye on those those trends in the Mountain West, along with obviously, you know, four or five other really, really good teams coming out of there. Um, so with that being said, that was kind of the, the big stuff from the week. Graham, I'll turn it over to you, kind of the biggest games that, that I guess, biggest results that surprised you um, and, you know, numbers and, and sing individual performances that you really noticed last week. Yeah, the uh, first one I wanted to touch on really quickly was Northwestern. Um, they've really handled business um, lately. Um, there are two losses in conference play, um, or three losses, I should say, are to Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Illinois. Um, but they were able to, you know, right their wrongs with that big win against Illinois and as- absolutely decimated Ohio State. Um, looking ahead, tomorrow they have a – they're probably their, uh, dare I say, most important game for the rest of their season in conference play is at Purdue. If they can come in and, you know, pull off an amazing win or at least show that they are, you know, one of the top teams in their conference, it really sets them up nicely because they have a very favorable back end of their schedule, their away games being to a a below-average Michigan State and Maryland team, two tough places to play with Indiana and Rutgers on a back-to-back road trip, um, and at Minnesota. You know, if they get through Purdue, I think they're going to be one of um, the more exciting teams to watch in college basketball as long as they um, take care of business and defend home court. Um, I think that this team is destined to, you know, have a great run in the tournament. Um, You know, looking at last year, you know, they were a very talented team. They had some very exciting wins and just really didn't show up against Penn State in the conference tournament. To be fair, that was a tough team last year. And... Um, falling out of the tournament, losing to a, a UCLA, I think that um, this Northwestern team, as long as they have Boo Boo, is destined to be one of those um, Cinderella or you know storied uh, teams coming out of the tournament. Yeah, just I mean, because you can't, so, yeah, I mean he is so talented. You kind of see him as like a, a six, seven seed, right? Like they could maybe you know sneak in and, and knock off a two or a three seed early. I mean, I think that's really kind of the path that they're on right now. Yeah, and uh, additionally, another team to talk about, I think, is Arizona. Um, just because they are so confusing. Um, you know, they have taken some really weird losses this year. Um, you know, they absolutely dominated Oregon in the second half this week, but they also lost a really poor Oregon State team. They destroy. USC and Utah and Colorado, but they turn around and gave up a hundred points to Stanford and lost to a very 
um, mediocre Washington State team, it's very hard to see um, where they're going to end up. Um, and looking ahead, they don't have a single ranked game left on their conference uh, schedule. And, you know, in theory, this should be able for them, you know, to come out and nearly win out and set themselves up. Absolutely. And I think it's kind of interesting. I mean, something to keep an eye on here is, like, is Arizona – I mean, say they win out. Let's let's say they win out or maybe lose one or two here or there. Like, are they going to win this conference by multiple games and be, like, what, a three or a four seed? I mean, really. Um, because they're – where their projections are at right now is, like – you don't really know what you're getting from this team on a night-to-night basis. And, you know, when you look at their quadrants, I mean, their losses are really, really bad. I mean, they have one quad three loss, one quad two loss, three in quad one, but I think those quad one losses, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong here. Let me look at these. Like Purdue, FAU, and Washington State. Like Washington State's probably on the brink, right? I mean, that's got to be close to dropping out. Um, so, again, just something to keep an eye on. Like those could, you know, kind of fluctuate. Washington State, depending on how they finish the season, um, they're sitting at 41st right now, so that, I mean that could drop, but um, it would have to be pretty significant. So, anyways, point point being, you just don't really know what you're going to get from this Arizona team and really the Pac-12 as a whole right now. Yeah, and you know, looking at it, their schedule with having to play California, Stanford, Arizona State, UCLA, those are all quadrant three games. Um, UCLA is quadrant three. Mm-hmm. What? On the road too. Wow. They they are 136 in the net. They definitely have some work to do, and it's really embarrassing, in my opinion, that they have dropped so many of these bad games because some of the top dogs in the Pac-12 are really not performing. Um, you have USC being two and seven in conference play. UCLA they, they might finish last in the in the yeah. league, and I think it, you know it, it's time to start you know thinking about is Andy Enfield the right guy for the job? I mean he's a long-term NBA assistant, uh, most notably. Um, he was the head coach of the Florida Gulf Coast team, you know, that went on that miraculous run. Um, you know, it's kind of time to, you know, start thinking about what the direction of this USC team is because they've turned out uh, talent after talent every single season, and they have not had much um, success lately. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I, I think on the, on the note of Andy Enfield, um, looking at him, looking at, I mean, Chris Holtman after another bad loss this weekend for Ohio State, Jawan Howard, I mean, obviously DePaul made the first move, firing Stubblefield. Um, but moving forward, um, you know, what are those um, – what are we looking at when it comes to kind of those next jobs that will be coming available, especially in the power structure? Um, so those are definitely names to keep an eye on. When we look at Saturday, um, had, a, had a big weekend here uh, in the college hoop scene. Um, UAB knocked off Memphis, which, I mean, whole – Lee Cow. Oh, sorry, that was on. Pff, that was on Sunday. Either way, we we'll get to that eventually. Um, but yeah, UAB knocking off Memphis was probably I would say one of the more shocking. You know, not super shocking results, but I guess just generally this the way this Memphis team is going and the way they've kind of declined over the past few weeks has been super surprising. We'll get to that here in just a minute. Um, looking at Saturday, um, we had. Iowa State knocking off Kansas at home in a in a awesome environment. I mean, seriously, obviously watching it as a Kansas fan, you know, I was frustrated by the game and and the way it went for for my own team. But as a neutral, it was awesome. You had 
a packed house in Hilton Coliseum. I mean, shades of Fred Hoiberg era, like just absolutely lunatic fans going berserk. You had they did a whiteout, so the whole arena looked great. You've got um, it's the afternoon CBS game. You got Ian Eagle, Bill Raftery, and Jay Wright on the call. I mean, come on, like that 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 three three prong attack doesn't get any better when it comes to the commentary. Um, and yeah, it just was it was just reminiscent of like me being. 10, 12 years old, and I just played a rec basketball game at 9 a.m., and I came home, and now we got Kansas-Iowa State on in the afternoon. You know, like, it just, it, it conjured up, like, old, you know, reminiscent, reminiscent, like, nostalgic feelings for me, and I really, really enjoyed watching that game as a neutral. Iowa State hasn't shot over, has barely shot over 30% from three on the season. They shot over 50 against Kansas. I mean, like, what are you going to do at that point? You know, when you have a team of that high of quality that plays that good of defense, um, you know, in Iowa State, that's also going to all of a sudden make shots. Like Kansas doesn't really have much of a chance there. So an unfortunate loss for the Jayhawks, one that they really didn't need. Excuse me. Um, in terms of Big Twelve standings, because that now drops them to four and three in the conference, kind of struggling to keep up with Houston there, um, and Texas Tech as well, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, but, yeah, just overall, from a neutral perspective, an awesome game to watch. Good win for Iowa State. Um, and then sticking within the theme of the Big 12, like I said, Texas Tech, they moved to 16-3 and now. Um, and they're definitely a team that I think is was sneaky and not on a lot of people's radars. Um, but they're atop of, the, atop of the Big 12 right now um, in, in the standings at 5-1. and one. They've got a big road test tonight at TCU, so definitely lock that one in. Give that one a, a, a watch for you, 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN2. That should be a really, really entertaining one um, there between two teams that are, you know, you mean, almost going in opposite directions. Texas Tech having, you know, had a really good stretch here these last few games. TCU has been a little up and down, um, so definitely going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on there. Um Mississippi State with the upset over Auburn. So Auburn takes two losses last week. Again, not super, super concerned about Bruce Pearl's side. Um, that's a really tough two-game stretch. I mean, having to go at Alabama, who is one of the better home teams in the SEC um, and obviously has a lot of talent on their squad. And then Mississippi State, who I think has underperformed relatively to start the season. Um, I do think they're a really, really solid team. So definitely one to... You know, one to watch there, I wouldn't be too concerned about Auburn, but we'll have to see how they respond after this two-game losing streak. Um, Duke gets a, a sneak past Clemson at home, almost had another home loss similar to the one against Pitt the week before, but they take care of business there. And then we had a window on Saturday, Graham. I don't know if you saw this. We had a window on Saturday where there were three games in overtime at the exact same time. And, I mean, I just did not have enough screens. I was geeking out. I was so excited. I mean, that is just uh, – this Saturday, while while this upcoming Saturday obviously has a great slate when it comes to just ranked against ranked teams, this past Saturday was the reminder that, like, oh, yeah, it's almost February. Like, we're getting into that time. Teams are playing tough games. We had Wyoming, Colorado State, TCU, Baylor, and Utah State, Boise State all in overtime at the same time. TCU, Baylor went to three overtimes. I mean, it was a phenomenal game. Um so just a really fun, you know, window there. I think it was about 5.30 Eastern that evening. Really fun watching, you know, window there. TCU gets the win at Baylor, 105-102 um, on the road in that 
in that triple overtime game, and then Wyoming with the upset win over Colorado State, 79-76, and then Utah State taking care of business on the road, 90-84 to uh, in overtime there. Again, like we said, Arizona took care of business, and then, Graham, you called it. Keep your eye on the Spiders. Richmond, 69-64 over the Dayton Flyers. Dayton takes, you know, a, a, a solid loss, you know, probably one of the better losses that you can have. Um, and these two teams, I think, are kind of their, the A-10's only chance at a, at a two-bid um, A-10, so definitely something to keep an eye on there. Kentucky-Arkansas played a solid game. Arkansas looking very similar to Xavier right now, kind of that 10-10 and 10 mark. Don't really know. You, you feel like they're underperforming, um, but they've kind of had some weird performances. So well, I'm interested to see what Arkansas has to bring the rest of the season. Um, and then, like I said, Sunday uh, was a, a shocking Memphis uh, upset again. Um, and then also, uh, I, I would also like to shout out again New Mexico with the nightcap, which I found really weird why they would play a game at eight o'clock or ten o'clock Eastern on Sunday night after NFL games. Um, but either way, New Mexico got a big win, 89-55, scoring 51 in the second half. Um, that was an entertaining one to watch for those that got an eye on it. So. Graham, again, I'll turn it over to you. Let's hear, let's hear about your weekend, obviously, um, you know, wrapping up in Hartford, um, and we'll get to all that uh, in the Musketeer Minute. But what, what did you see the most this weekend? What teams did you like? Um, what teams did you, you know, are you concerned about you know, moving forward kind of from Saturday and Sunday results? Yeah, um, first of all, uh, I think the first team you, I'd like to talk about is Memphis. Um, and, you know, this is now our third season of doing Norwood Noise. This is now obviously the third season that I've been a Penny Hardaway denier. Um, you know, taking those two bad losses early on, um, Villanova and Ole Miss, where they didn't really look themselves, they went on an absolute tear. You know, we've talked about this over and over again, the three ranked wins in a row. They're really piecing it together. And now in the matter of a week and a half, they've lost three games in a row. Um, the time is now to start thinking about um, – you know, what is this Memphis team's trajectory? Um, solely because that, you know, they've, you can't, in the same season, they've done the unthinkable of being a convincing top 10 team in the country with those three ranked wins and we're just dominating um, their conference. And then, you know, you drop three, um, three games in a row to games that they were favored in, games that, you know, you could have almost chalked up. Um, you know, and then you start to look at their resume, um, on, only one quad three loss and, you know, two in quadrant two isn't the worst thing in the world, but now you look ahead, you're, you've now lost three games in a row and you have two in the next four games, you have two quadrant four games and three and two quadrant three games against Rice, Wichita State, Temple and Tulane respectively. Um, and then, you know, the back half of their season, I'd say is when things get a little bit tougher with North Texas, SMU, Florida Atlantic, and Florida Atlantic a second time all being Quadrant 1 games. The time is now for them to fix uh, their problems. Um, and looking ahead at them uh, with this Rice game coming up tomorrow night, this should be a game where they should completely dominate Rice and you know kind of take advantage because if they don't go 4-0 in this time, you know your top six seed that they were trajected for slowly – becomes that seven to Nine, ten, ten yeah. and um you really hope that you know this memphis team can take care of business because if they don't that second half of the season is not where you want to be making up ground that's when you want to be getting ready for you know march and then on um 
especially because of how good they looked in you know that um, eight or nine game winning streak that they had. Um, really concerned about you know this Memphis team and how they're going to be able to bounce back. And um, secondly, you know I will ride on. You know we've talked about this New Mexico a bit um, about how if they played every game at home, you know that they could probably win the national championship. I'm a, I'm a little you know. <laughs> a little skeptical of that one. A little but. skeptical to you know to go that far into it, but it is pretty amazing that this Mountain West team, uh, this Mountain West conference, has been able to do so well. Um, and you know, it's going to be so cool to watch how this um, rest of the season unfolds for them. Because at one point in the season, we were talking about a six seat, six bid Mountain West team. Or Mountain West Conference, which I still don't think is really out of the question. No, it's definitely not. Um, but you know, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, these Air Force, San Jose, Fresno State, UNLV, UNLV teams are probably out of the question as it stands right now. But if they're able to, you know, knock off some of these wins, um, knock off some of these top teams, this conference is going to turn into an absolute, you know, hellscape right. very quickly. <laughs> Complete bloodbath. Especially when you look at you know Utah State, New Mexico, and San Diego State all being undefeated at home, and then you have three teams with Wyoming, Nevada, and Colorado State only having one loss. Boise State was one of the best metric, best teams metrically going into the conference play, and they have two losses at home. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how this season unfolds for the Mountain West, um, especially in a day and age you know where. A lot of teams in the um, Pac-12 are, you know, moving into the Big 12s, a lot more central time games. And the Pac-12 is, you know, being absolutely decimated after the season. Mountain West can have a really strong grip on um, the Western seaboard, um, especially if Gonzaga isn't going to be much of anything. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to see how the Mountain West unfolds. And I think the fact that New Mexico um, is getting hot at the right time is a, a great testament for what this conference can be. Absolutely, and I think, I mean, we joke about the West Coast nightcap all the time, but genuinely, someone does have to fill those time slots. You know, like, I do think that there is a an interest for live sports after the, you know, 8 or 9 o'clock Eastern hour, and obviously without, I mean, obviously Pac-12 teams that are now joining the Big Ten will, or the, or the Big 12 or whatever, will still play those late slot games. That's, I understand that piece. But maybe not as often, you know. They're obviously they're they're not playing, you know, West Coast against West Coast as often. They're, they might be playing some more Central Time or even Eastern Time games. So I do think it's something worth watching, because with someone needing to fill those time slots, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Mountain West or if you know the the Pac-12 teams that are now playing the WCC or some of the Mountain West teams, you know, if those kind of start to fill that slot a little bit more. But obviously, I think the Mountain West has a really really good chance. To kind of take over as the elite Western Conference um, by far, and and I know this is you know it's outside the power structure, but man, can we get a, a Big Twelve Mountain West challenge, or can we get a you know a, a Big Ten Mountain West challenge? Just give me something to like really stack these Mountain West teams up against you know uh, power conference competition in the regular season. Because obviously, when you get to the tournament, the tournament's a tournament. I think anything can happen. Any team can beat anybody. We've seen that time and time again. Depends on who's hot at the right time, you know. But I would love to see some power conference teams going down to the pit and going down to the Spectrum Center at Utah State and going down to, uh, you know, Wyoming and Boise State and having to play at San Diego State. You know, give me some of those marquee matchups on the West Coast because 
I do think that a lot of these teams on the East Coast don't have a lot of experience and wouldn't otherwise schedule those games. Um, so definitely something to, to keep an eye on. I'm really intrigued in that. So, um, All right, well, we will go from there. Let's, let's turn our attention to what happened yesterday on Twitter. Um, I'm not even going to brief it. I'm just going to, Graham, I'm going to let you take over. You're the one that you know really wanted to pioneer this, um, and I think you're probably the most well-read on this between the two of us. So I'll let you take over, but a little bit of a Twitter Big East explosion yesterday if you want to elaborate. Yeah, um, so for those of you who don't know, um, there's a little bit um, going on in the Big East Twitter scape uh, between um, the Burner account, Blue Demon Degenerate, and his new um, account and documentary series, Big East Films. And now with the Field of 68 being involved in what has become, you know, a hellscape on Twitter, um, you know, to give you a little bit of background information, a couple months ago, um, Big East Films kind of just pops out of nowhere, this new Twitter account, and said, 11 teams, 11 films. That was going to be the thing. Each each of the Big East teams were going to have their own, you know, hour-plus um, series. And let's do keep in mind, these are independent films. They're not Big East copyright-friendly. Like, they are their own. It's an independent documentary, you know, taking, taking his own account of these events. Yeah, so um, most, most recently, the first episode dropped in, um, you know, in the excitement of Ed Cooley returning to Providence for the first time after leaving for Georgetown. Um, and it's an hour and 15 minute special kind of, you know, showing how Ed Cooley became, you know, this very blue collar, hardworking guy from Rhode Island comes into Providence, completely transforms their program. It shows the history of, um, you know, how Providence was kind of a dying program. Every coach that went there, you know, leaves, you know, Rick Barnes and Patino. And then, you know, the falling out between Ed Cooley and, you know, the Providence faithful about how he left for the Georgetown job. And, you know, with this, you know, one independent person, you know, writing and producing it. And then you had John Fantug, you know, giving you some input. And then everything else is fan-made. Mind you, these are not, like, extremely credible people. You know, you're not getting ESPN and Fox Sports guys. This is completely fan-made, no backing, nothing. Um, and, you know, it drops, and, you know, the Big East community loves it. Um, people love that, you know, it's the fans telling the story, and, you know, nothing was held back at all. And, and I think it's a, it's worth noting, too, that uh, this was a little bit of a slight at, like, Requiem from the Big East and the ESPN Films version of, you know, kind of telling the Big East story, because I think a lot of Big East fans generally didn't feel that it was a, a true representation or, or well well produced enough to show kind of the complete story. Right, and, you know, I think that they did a, you know, pretty good job, and at the end of the day, like, this is for fun, it's for the fans, it's not, like, any, like, meaningful, you know, attack on anyone, and this... And as they explained, it wasn't, it wasn't a money grab either, like, this is literally just out of the sake of wanting to tell these stories. Yeah, and, um, when, you, on Sunday, um, you know, to catch you guys up, um, the Big East Films Twitter account gets suspended out of the blue, and right after, uh... Blue Demon Degenerate, who at the time was completely anonymous for being any any association with Biggie's films, drops this entire thread explaining um, what he what he did. That you know every single view expressed of the document was not his own. Um, that he was just doing it to you know he's around the Biggies, he loves the conference, he loves the teams, he just wants to show something off really quick, and um, he then you know. And I would say too, it's worth noting that. 
in, I mean, you can go read the thread for yourself, but he seemed fairly like, I understand why they did it. Like, he wasn't super upset that Biggie's films got suspended kind of as a whole. Um, but then it kind of escalated from there. Yeah. Um, and namely, yeah, Jeff Goodman um, gets into his Twitter DMs, you know, telling him that he's going to be sued and he's going to lose a lot of money and then threatens that he, he's going to serve time uh, making this weird joke about how uh, how would you look in orange. And I mean, that's basically Jim Beheim's you know, recruiting strategy there. Right. And at, and at the end of it, he, you know, he's threatening that he's going to track him down. And, you know, mind you that this is like, this is a kid. He, you know, I think he's still a DePaul student or more, maybe recently graduated. You know, he's just doing this for fun and a reputable name in the college basketball world that, you know, everyone attaches to being an insider source is in his Twitter DMs. And, and I would say, too, I, I think a little bit of background on Blue Demon. I mean, this guy, for those that aren't Big East nuts like we are and don't follow all the Twitter scapes, the reason that he has so much credibility within a lot of us is because this guy, like, like he is a diehard for DePaul basketball. Like, historically, one of the worst programs in college basketball, or at least in the power structure. So I think there's a lot of credibility and enjoyment given to that. He also has some really good analysis, I think, generally of both DePaul and just Big East basketball as a whole. So it's kind of a it's a long term thing. Blue Demon Degenerate's been around for a while, and and people love him for a couple, you know, multiple different reasons. Yeah, and you know, even going on, and I think that this just encapsulates everything about um, how Rob Doster and um, Jeff Goodman and other you know big media and maybe even Ed Cooley if he was involved. You know, that's not officially been found but um you know jeff goodman says you are a bad human being and i just love this response that he says i disagree we could talk about it if you want <laughs> and i think that is just the complete um great example of you know what's been going on rob doster another field 68 guy says that you should be more focused on hiring an attorney tbh um and you know as this continues to development we'll keep you updated but most recently um in the last 24 hours, Blue Demon Degenerate says, you know, the dock is still up until the Big East realizes that they could just, you know, DMCA strike it. It's be, gone now. Be, yeah. It would be taken down. Dave Portnoy and the Barstool guys love the idea of this. Um, and, you know, there's been this calling for all of Big East Twitter that, you know, they will back it. And, you know, there's this new hashtag of 10 more. Hoping that, you know, the 10 films that were in the works um, can see the light of day somehow. Um and it's funny that I think that the Biggies had no involvement in this, and then once it had a following, that's when the copyright strike came down. Um, it was in the middle of the night that the documentary was taken down. Um, it had less than 15,000 views before all this came down. It went up to 75,000 yesterday, and now it's deleted. Um, it's very unfortunate that, you know, something that was fun and just wanted to, you know, you know give a little bit of light um, to the Big East Conference, because while it's respected, you know, ESPN and a lot of corporations don't really um, give it the time of day. You know, one of the biggest storylines in college basketball was Ed Cooley returning to Providence, and ESPN has zero coverage of it. Yeah. Um, and I think that this is just, you know, the perfect example of, uh, you know, people, you know, getting involved for the wrong reasons. And hopefully that something good can come out of this that, you know, because I would love to see the 10 films. He said in the Twitter thread that the Xavier one was coming up. It would be a crosstown shootout history. And I, you know, as someone who's read everything about it, you know, I'd probably go into it, you know, not really expecting much. But I knew a good amount of the Providence stuff, and I still enjoyed um, every minute of it. So I'm hoping 
that's something that can come soon um, because I thought it was really well done, especially for someone making it in their dorm room or apartment. Right. Yeah, no, I, I gave it a watch as well, and, and it, it, you know, I agree that I, I did really enjoy it. I think it was well put together, um, especially for kind of obviously the very limited production costs that they're working with there. Um, so overall, yes, definitely something to keep an eye on. Follow along on Twitter if you want. Um, if you don't want to waste your time, just wait for us. We'll give you the updates, you know, weekly, of course. Um, but it has been really entertaining watching, you know, all of our favorite, um, you know, burner accounts and things like that, you know, just back. Um, <laughs> back, uh, you know, Blue Demon and, and, what, and, the, and what he's trying to do. Um, people are absolutely loving it. So it's definitely been entertaining um, and something to, uh, for sure, keep an eye on as, as the story develops. Excuse me, and moves moves along over time. So, all right, speaking of the Big East, Graham, we got to talk. Tough week for the Musketeers last week. Um, a loss at Creighton on um, last uh, this past Tuesday. Um, they went down 85-78. I think... And again, we're not doing the moral moral losses thing anymore. The team played really tough that game. That was a really really difficult one to watch slip away. Um, I think they played a very complete game, um, and and really gave. I think they, they put their best foot forward. They put their best effort out there. Um, and you know what? You're you're on the road in the Big East, and it's gonna be tough to win unless you know you get some some shots to fall your way, some calls to go your way, things like that. And I just think that didn't end up happening. And unfortunately, um, that was kind of the end of the road for Xavier there on that on that uh, on that night last Tuesday in Omaha. Sunday was nearly the complete opposite, like you said. Um, weren't in the game from the national anthem on. Um, the second largest uh, margin of victory in Biggie's history there for UConn, just to put that into perspective a little bit, 99 to 56. Um, where where does the motivation come from now? Because obviously um, you're at a really difficult crossroads of the season. Again, somehow I think you're still not dead, um, you know, when it comes to NCAA tournament hopes. But, man, you've really got to turn it on. And I think obviously – you know, confidence has got to be waning after, you know, a, a performance like that. So where where does the motivation come from, and what are, you, what are you expecting out of this team this week? Because obviously you have a big, big opportunity here. St. John's at home, and then you got a road game against a, a coachless DePaul team. Um, so where does the motivation come from to, to get the guys back? Because, I mean, how do you pick up a team like that after, after a game like that? Yeah, I think that um, you have to look at it in terms of before January 30th, and after January 30th. Before you look at the resume, you've now played the hardest schedule in all of college basketball. Yes. With Houston. You've played, you played three teams that are going to be number one seeds. Yeah. Period. Houston, Purdue, and UConn twice. Um, the hard schedule and, you know, these hard-fought victories for a team that has one returning player um, have gotten you to a point where you're staying afloat because of your schedule. Um, but now, as you look ahead... Um, you've gotten to the point where you are ready to, you know, make a stride and get yourselves in the tournament. It's now just a matter of you have to be able to do that. And that's where you get into the post-January uh, 30th, in my opinion. Um, St. John's, at DePaul, Villanova, and Creighton. You have to beat DePaul. If you lose against DePaul, your tournament hopes are pretty much into the crapper because that's a quad four loss. 
DePaul's net ranking is worse than four of our bye games that we've played this season. Um, just a testament of you know how poor that they have been this season. You have to beat DePaul, and with that, with Villanova, Creighton, and St. John's, I think you have to go two and one in those three games. I think you know we talked a little bit earlier in the season when we were talking about you know with March looming, we looked ahead at um, what what was our our four games the UC Villanova. Uh, yeah, it was it was UC at Nova, UConn, and Providence, and uh, no, I'm sorry, it was it was Houston, UC, at Nova, UConn. I said you needed to go, you needed to go two and two at least. Yeah. Um, the problem is, is that you know, now that you're looking ahead, and I think this is a very similar situation of you know, trying to set yourself up for the next part of your chunk, and I think that these you know three home games and an away game at DePaul. It's a perfect opportunity to go three and one with yep. one of those wins having to be DePaul, because then you set yourself up for a tough stretch. But you have a little bit of you know maneuverability because Seton Hall, Providence, and Marquette are all going to be very very tough games. Those are dog fights. That Providence team is fifty one in the net right now, um, and you know if they were able to sneak up, that you know has possibility of being a quadrant one game. Because you can drop those games and you could be fine, but the problem is, is that you have to get to that point. We're, we're nearing the point of the season where dropping games is going to be extremely detrimental to our season. Yeah. Um, because now we're getting into the point of, you know, you're going to be comparing resumes and stuff. You've gotten yourself to a position that you have, you're within striking distance to put yourself into the tournament discussion. Um, and I think that these next four games can really show um, – you know, what this team's about, because then, you know, if, if you drop multiple games in the next couple, your your outlook then becomes, oh, you have to win three or four in conference in a row and then maybe even win the Big East tournament. And right. you don't want to be in that position. No. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think I think that's the thing that a lot of Xavier fans kind of need to realize just generally about the Big East there. There's really no stretch where you can be like, oh, yeah, we can go rattle off four wins. Like, that's – for even the best teams in the conference is really difficult. So um, definitely something to keep in perspective. And, yeah, I mean, don't – can't give up faith yet, um, but obviously a really, really difficult week um, for this Savior side. And I do think, like we kind of said, this this next four – these next four games are, are season-defining, character-defining, team-defining games. And uh, definitely something to uh, to be excited about if you're a Xavier fan that, you know – especially with, with three of these being home games, you have the opportunity to get to the game, you know, if you do. And, and if you have the opportunity to get there, get there early, make a difference, fill the arena. Um, because as we've seen, I mean, and Graham, you can attest to this, we've played our best ball at home when the when the fans are behind them, you know. And there's no reason that St. John's on a Wednesday and Nova on a Wednesday and Creighton on next Saturday, there's no reason those games can't be like a crosstown, you know, environment. I, I'm being serious when I say that. There's no reason – that you shouldn't be able to get yourself excited and get yourself out there for a high-intensity, high-level Big East game and bring the kind of atmosphere that you do for you know a Cincinnati team that you know may or may not make the, the tournament out of the Big 12. So I definitely think that Xavier fans as a whole need to be ready to go um, and be ready to make an impact as we come down the you know the closing stretch of the season here. So 
as always, thank you all so much for listening. This was a, I know it was a delayed episode, but I think I'm glad we did it. It, it you know, made it more concise, and obviously we got to give you a little bit longer episode here with some good content. Um, but again, myself, Evan Schibble, and Graham Griffith, we love being with you. Tuesday, January 30th, we'll talk to you again very, very soon next week. Um, first week of February, here we go. I mean, it's, it's time. It is officially grind time. We can start talking projections. We can start talking bracketology this week. So we will talk to you all again very, very soon. Thank you all again for joining us. And cheers. Have a good week.